0: Welcome to the Ark Church Podcast. On here, you'll find all of our Sunday and Wednesday messages, as well as classes and special services. If you would like more information about the Ark Church, visit us at thearchurch.com or download our app available to all app stores. Our heart for you is that you would live for God, grow stronger, and make a difference. Enjoy. So I wanted to start uh, just recapping. Last week, we started a short series where we were talking about how to set ourselves up to win in 2023. It's a new year. So it's a time where people are naturally starting to think about, how can I take things that maybe didn't go my way last year and turn them into something that can be more successful this year? And so one of the best ways to set yourself up for success is by changing the way that you think. Because our thinking has a big impact on how our life goes, the direction of our life, but not just thinking positively or things like that, but actually thinking the way that God wants us to think, thinking according to his word. That's the key. That's what makes the difference is changing your thinking to match what he says. And last week in the life of Joseph, we saw the importance of focus and how not living life in the rearview mirror where we're constantly looking at the past can allow us to move forward into the future. So it's all about where we're looking Tonight, I wanted to talk about another change in our thinking that I think will help us, and that's a change in our identity. So talking about names, they're they're pretty important. In fact, it I kind of remind, reminded me of this conversation that I heard about between a mother and, and her adult children. They were talking and they started talking about where their names came from. So the oldest daughter was named Rose, and she said, Mom, why did you name me Rose? And the mom said, it's because when you were a baby, a rose petal fell on your face. So I named you Rose. Well, then her son, Leaf, said, wait a second, was that why I was named Leaf? She said, yes, a leaf fell on your face, and that's why I named you Leaf. Her third son, though, was a little surprised. He sort of sat there dumbfounded. He kind of reached up and he felt his head. And all of a sudden, all the mysteries of life became very clear to him. As he sat there feeling the indention, his mother looked at him and said, do you have a question, Refrigerator? <laughs> so at least you're not named Refrigerator, okay? Actually, if you haven't, if you didn't know, I looked it up So, because I didn't know. I said, what are the, I looked up, what, are the, what were the, the most popular baby names of 2022? They were Olivia and Liam. Those were the top two baby names of 2022. Do you want to know what name was not at the top? (laughs) Dwayne. Yeah. You see, I have had to live my entire life with literally one of the most uncool names possible. You know, I'm sorry if there are any other Dwaynes out there. I don't mean to offend you, but it is time to face reality. We do not have a cool name. I mean, seriously, look, we've, we've gotten a slight sliver of hope because of The Rock, I mean, even he didn't start going by Dwayne until his biceps were like Mack trucks. I mean, even he had to be super cool and huge before he told everybody his name. He just went by The Rock for a long time. You know, I mean, before The Rock, it was really bad. All I, had, The only person I had to point to famous was Dwayne Wayne from that show, A Different World in the 80s. I mean, I'm not bitter, but seriously, the flip up glasses guy, that's not helping our cause. But thankfully, with The Rock's help, one day I might actually find my name engraved on one of those little keychain tags in the Galveston souvenir shop. <laughs> Every time I'm just searching, it's never there. It's one of those things. Anybody else have a, you don't have, anybody else have a complicated relationship with your name? Don't answer. Don't answer, but yeah. We have those, whether they're our middle, first, something like that. It was always funny the first day of school, right, where they did roll, and then everyone got called the name that they didn't want anyone to ever know they were actually called, and you know, it was terrible. There's a there, there's that famous line from Shakespeare, from Romeo and Juliet, said, "What's in a name?" And it it goes on to say, "That which we call a rose by any other name would, would smell as sweet." Now, a flower might smell the same if it was called something different, but that f- doesn't actually work as well with people. See, what we're called by other people or even the names we call ourselves can actually really impact how our life goes. They can actually really change how you view yourself and how you live your life. In fact, whoever came up with that sticks and stones, bones," that person was a liar, Because sometimes I would much rather get hit with a stick or a stone than some of the words that I've been called. Those things stick with you. I mean, I was thinking about how the fact is, like as an adult, I'm 44. And even as an adult, there's things about my identity that came from stuff I was called as a kid. And that's not... In my age, I mean, there's people older than me that are still dealing with things that came from when they were a child. It's also things that we call ourselves. You know, I was thinking about this from that perspective. I don't, I don't know if you've ever really thought about what you've said to yourself, but I, I I put it like this to someone one time. I said, Imagine the things you say to yourself. Now imagine you walk into a room and you catch someone saying those same words to your kid. How do you react? I'm going to guess felony. <laughs> we don't want our kids called that, but we don't mind calling ourselves that. But I was wondering to myself, I'm like, if, if we don't accept that from God, from ourselves, why do we think God would want his kids to be called by these names and to have these kinds of identities formed, things that are going to really break them down and destroy them? It, it reminds me of a story from my own life. I was, um, I I'd, I'd went to a psychologist. I was talking to him one day, and he was telling me, he said, look, everybody has a tape in your mind, a mental tape, and it plays on loop, just repeating. And what you put on that tape is going to impact your life negatively or positively. Well, I kind of thought, okay, that's great, fine, sounds good, I'll think about it. So I get in the car, and, and I had to drive about like 20 minutes back to where I work. And so it was back in the days where we had iPods and iPhones, but I still had podcasts. So I put a podcast on and I was just listening. But uh, if you've ever, you know, driven somewhere over and over and over again, you know, you kind of can zone out really quickly and easily. And that's kind of what I did. I just sort of zoned out on the ride, listening to the podcast, traffic, just kind of going through. About probably 10, 15 minutes into the drive, I, I hit a red light and all of a sudden, it hit me like a ton of break, bricks. I realized in that moment for the last 15 minutes of this trip, I had been saying to myself, you're never going to be as successful as the people in the podcast. You're never going to make a difference. You're going to be a failure. And I was repeating that over and over and over again to myself. And I realized what actually became even scarier in that moment was I realized that not only was I saying that in that 15 minute stretch, I realized that that was the mental tape that I had been playing to myself for years. And because of that, I had believed the things that I was saying. Those things actually formed the identity. And the problem was is those thoughts weren't based on reality and more importantly, They were not based on what God says. So I was filling my mind with things that were not true, but most importantly, were not God's words. And they were hurting me. Those are the kinds of thoughts that maybe you've dealt with. I mean, I can't read your mind. I've not gotten any insight from the Holy Spirit as to each individual person here, what you thought. But I believe there's a chance that some of you have dealt with similar things, whether it's what people have called you or what you called yourself. But somewhere down the line, you've created an identity for yourself that is not based on what God has spoken about you. And that identity is holding you back because that's what the enemy loves to do is we have an enemy who loves to lie to us because he wants to keep us locked up in these false narratives so that he can keep us stuck and prevent us from becoming the kinds of people that God wants us to be. That's his trick. But I was thinking to myself, what if 2023 doesn't have to be like that? Like, what if you decide tonight that tomorrow is going to be different? Like, what if you don't believe that lie anymore? What could this new year look like? But the question is, how do you exchange a false identity for a true one? Well, I want to begin with going to the Bible and talking about a lady named Naomi. Now you can read about her life in the book of Ruth. But basically she lived in Bethlehem. She had a husband. She had two sons. And while they were living in Bethlehem there was this famine. So they decided to move to this nearby country called Moab. Now Moab was not, it was not a part of... They, had no, they didn't have Israelites there. They didn't, have, um, they didn't, they didn't follow God. So it was a very different culture. But they moved there. And while they were there, Naomi's two sons both married women from that area. And while they were there, tragedy struck. First thing that happened was Naomi's husband died, which was devastating. But she still had her sons to help take care of her. But then her sons died, both of them. So now she's a widow left alone. And that was pretty devastating. I and mean, She had spent a decade In that new country and now she felt like it was just total loss. That's when she decided to head back to Bethlehem. And you'll probably remember hearing at some point this story of Ruth and she's talking to Ruth and telling him to leave. But Ruth stays with her and decides she's going to make her new home in this new country with her. And so Naomi and Ruth head back to Bethlehem. But what's really interesting is what Naomi says when she gets back there. And if you'll look with me, it's in Ruth 1, 19 through 21. And so it says, when the, so when the uh, two women went on until they came to Bethlehem, when they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women exclaimed, can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she said. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me, Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. It's pretty, uh, it's pretty bold. Maybe you haven't said those exact things to yourself. Maybe you have. Maybe you've thought things similar. It's really a, you can feel for her. You remember, you got to remember, these aren't characters in a novel. These are real people who lived real lives and the same kinds of pains that you deal with on a daily basis, they dealt with. They're very human emotions. And I think it's really interesting to look at Naomi's name. She was actually, if you look at what her name meant, it actually meant pleasant, or it could even be translated "delight of God. So what was interesting is she was named pleasant Or delight, but she called herself bitterness. And that was because she became bitter over her loss. She blamed God. And so in Naomi's mind, God had taken everything away from her. And she was left with nothing. So, And you do have to understand her situation as a widow. I mean, in today's society, it's difficult for a widow or widower or whatever. but, but But back then, it was totally different. I mean, whereas now a widow can still have a job, maintain a household, make decisions about where her life goes. But back in those days, she had much less options. You know, she couldn't do the same. She couldn't do the work. She couldn't run the household like we can now. So she was looking at a very bleak future. She was going to be dependent. I mean, she was going to struggle. She was looking at a life of struggle of finding food, clothing, housing, everything. The basic necessities were going to be an everyday challenge for her. And she was facing that reality. But even though she was realistic about some of the challenges, was her assessment of her life correct? And so if you look back at Ruth, at verse 21, what we just read. I just wanted to read this part again. She said, I went away full But the Lord has brought me back empty. But was she really empty? I mean, it's true she didn't have her husband. She didn't have her sons. But she did have Ruth. She had help. She wasn't totally alone. She had support. She had obviously people in the town who she knew. People who had been friends. I mean, they were looking for her when they came back. They seemed excited that she had come back. She had help. I mean, the problems existed, but... Unfortunately, what Naomi saw was just the problems. She didn't see God at work preparing the opportunity for her to be blessed. She focused instead on what she had lost. She saw God as her punisher, not her helper. But God wasn't punishing her. And this is a really important thing to remember as we're thinking about our own lives and the challenges we face. Is We live in a world where bad things happen because there's sin in this world. And because we have an enemy who loves to steal and to kill and destroy and do these things. And one thing he really loves to do is mess things up and then blame God for it. And he loves to get us to, to not only blame God, but to also take on the identity of a victim. And what happens is, is when, that, when you become the victim and that becomes your identity, your life grinds to a halt. It stops. It stops. And then when you're blaming God, the one thing that doesn't happen is you won't trust God. If you blame God for the problems that you've had, you will never trust God to help you in the future. And that's exactly what the enemy wants. So that's where you have to ask yourself, do you identify? What is your identity? Do you identify with the problem or the problem solver? Where do you find your identity? What tells you who you are? Naomi, she identified as the victim. And because she believed that was her identity, she, believed, she embraced bitterness. And so what we say about ourselves really matters. It sets the direction for our lives. It colors our conversations. It affects our relationships. What we say are, expands or limits who we are as a person. I'm not, and trust me, I understand some people that are listening tonight have faced things that I don't understand that I've never been with. So I would never diminish someone's loss or someone's challenges that they face because those are real things. And, and that really is saddening that people have faced these kinds of things. But here's the thing, even when you face challenges, if you create an identity of victim, you're never going to grow to the place that God wants you to be because victim doesn't fix things. Victim never moves you forward. Victim leaves you stuck in place, reliving that pain over and over. In fact, think about what Naomi was saying. She said, call me bitterness. I don't know if people actually took her up on that offer. But could you imagine being called bitterness? Hey, bitterness. <laughs> bitterness. Everywhere she goes, it would be what? A reminder of the pain. Every time she heard her voice, it would stick her right back in what had happened. You're not going to move forward if you're stuck in that false identity. Naomi limited herself to bitterness, but the good news is, is that God didn't. And, I'm not, and that's the other thing. I'm not just talking about big things. Like, I'm not just talking about the bitterness over death, like someone's death or like a, a really bad circumstance. I mean, bitterness can take hold in small things too. Maybe you got passed over for a promotion at your job. Maybe you had a family argument with someone. Bitterness can take root in those situations too. And they can actually create damage just as much as in what we would think of as big challenges. Those small things have a really, really good way of getting in there and creating problems. And the thing about bitterness is is we often feel very justified in feeling that way. I'm sure... And you can hear it in Naomi's voice when she's describing her situation. She felt extremely justified to think the way that she thought and that's what happened. I mean, I'll be honest, there were situations where something didn't go my way. And what happened was, I began to identify with that problem and that, inju- that what I believed was an injury, what I believed was an unfair thing that had happened to me. And so that became my identity. And and as I embraced that identity, well, what happened was is that I became stuck as that person. And and bitterness has this way of just digging its roots into you and just kind of holding on. You think about like the tree roots and you look in your yard and you see the roots that just go everywhere. That's what bitterness does. It just kind of digs in, clings, holds on. And if you don't do anything about it, you just kind of stay stuck in that identity. So what you have to do, and what I had to do personally was to get past that, I had to cut that bitterness out. I had to get rid of it. I had to attack it. And I had to change who I saw myself to be. It, now, it, it reminds me a little bit of, of something that happened this week. I was told I was only allowed to make one reference to the Georgia Bulldogs In this sermon, I don't know if I can. I'm just saying I'm from Georgia and I'm in Texas. I don't know if there's any TCU fans, but if I were you, I wouldn't admit it right now. It was pretty rough. 65 to 7. Yikes! I wasn't upset about it. I didn't feel bad for anybody who was a TCU fan. I'm just saying. No, it I was an interesting thing. But if you actually watched it, you know what was really interesting to me was you probably, because there wasn't much to talk about with the game, they talked about everything else around the game. And one of the things they talked about a lot was the quarterback for Georgia. Now, he's not your prototypical, you know, major college quarterback. In fact, he was a walk-on, which meant he didn't get a scholarship. And he had to fight every step of the way to even just be part of the team. In fact, he actually left to go to junior college, came back and walked on again. And you know what was interesting? They kept telling him, they said, you are a number three. And he's like, no, I'm a number one. And they're like, you're not. You're never going to be a number one. You're always going to be number three. You got to get that through your head. And I have to admit what I admire about this guy is that he just kept fighting. And it didn't matter what they called him or what they said his limits were. He just kept pressing. Until the fact is, they didn't have a choice. He became number one. And actually, first time in the history of, of Georgia led them to back-to-back national championships. Yeah, you see, if, but I believe if he had held on to those feelings of being doubted, of being called not good enough... Of being called a number three. I don't think he would have ever stood on that championship stage. Because that bitterness and, and that identity as if bitterness would have robbed him of his opportunity. But he just kept pressing. And that's what we have to do. We have to keep pressing. We can't stay stuck in whatever other people have said about us. We have to turn our attention to what God says about us. And that brings me to one of Naomi's ancestors. It's another guy in the Bible named Abraham. Now, Abraham was someone who God had promised to make him the father of many, but he and his wife, Sarah, could not have kids. And God had made him this promise, I'm going to make you the father of many with this promised child through Sarah. That was very specific. And get this, 25 years later, it had not happened. I get a little antsy when I pray and 15 minutes later something hasn't changed. I'm like kind of looking at my clock like 15 minutes. God, come on, let's get, this, uh, let's get this ball moving. But Abraham, 25 years. I mean, imagine what that must have felt like. But listen to what God said to him in Genesis 17, 4 through 5. It says, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram, your name will be Abraham, for I have made you the father of many nations. So Abraham had actually been known as Abram for his whole life, but then God changed his identity. Abraham means father of many. So do you know that when God changed his name, it was actually before Sarah conceived a child. In fact, probably a year, maybe even two years before that event happened, which meant for a year or two years, Abraham walked around being called Abraham and not Abram. In fact, I even kind of imagine, it's not in the Bible, but I like to imagine the scenario where Abraham's walking around and people are like, hey, Abram. He's like, whoa, Abraham. (laughs) That's my name. They're like, wait, doesn't that mean father of many? Yep, it does. You see. Here's the thing, by going by the name Abraham, by using that name Abraham, his identity became God's promise. See, Naomi's identity became her problems. Abraham's identity became the promise. You see, every time his name was spoken, it was a reminder that God had spoken a promise over his life that would come true. Naomi asked to be called bitterness, to remind her of her pain, but Abraham was called Abraham to be reminded of God's promise. So how was he able to embrace this new identity? Well, it actually talks about it in Romans 4. Here's what it says in Romans. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. And without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since it was about 100 years old. And that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. Abraham believed that God, when he spoke that name over him, would do it because he believed in God. In fact, one theologian said, the character of Abraham's faith is determined by the character of the God in whom he believed. See, Abraham was able to look, to face a hopeless situation because he believed in the person who was making the promise. The foundation of Abraham's identity was not his ability to change his circumstances. It was in the ability, it was in the ability of God to change his circumstances. You see, he believed that God could take his dead body and bring it back Life. That's why he was able to embrace a new identity because God spoke it. And he knew if God spoke it, that It would come true. See, the difference between Abraham and Naomi wasn't that one was optimistic and the other was pessimistic, or that one was a realist and the other was some kind of Pollyanna. No, the difference is they both recognized their current challenge, but only and the the reality of their challenges. But only Abraham recognized the reality of who God is and that God, when He says it, He can do it. Someone described uh, hope this way: trusting. God, in spite of all the evidence and watching the evidence change. There's nothing wrong with being honest. The Bible does not tell us to lie. The Bible does not tell us to ignore reality. But let me tell you, if you're gonna be honest about your challenges, be equally honest about the power of God to work in your life and the words that God speaks over you. So that's why we have to fill our minds with God's word. That's why we have to fill our minds with things like Romans 8.37 which says, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. That's why we have to fill our minds with 2 Corinthians 4.8-9 which says, we are hard pressed on every side but not crushed, perplexed but not in despair, persecuted but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. In 1 Peter 2.9 that says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You see, the foundation of our identity is our relationship with Jesus Christ. As his followers, we identify with him, which means we begin to act, think, and talk like Jesus does. That means we see our situations through the light of who Jesus is. There's not a single solitary moment where you should look at yourself as anything other than totally and completely connected with Jesus Christ. And that what that means for your life is that what others or even yourself has said about yourself does not have to define who you are. You are defined not by defeat, but by Jesus' victory. It Reminds me of a story of this family in New York. They lived in Harlem in the 1950s in subsidized housing. There it was the Lane family. And they had a son, and they named him Winner. And a few years later, they had another son, and they were like, what should we name him? Well, their daughter actually, this is a true story, said, let's name him Loser. So they did. They named him Loser Lane. So imagine this kid. He's called Loser by everyone. And he's growing up in the projects in New York City. I mean, that was a recipe for disaster. Circumstances, identity, But guess what? It didn't happen. You see, he made a different choice. He decided he wasn't going to be defined by the name that he'd been given. So instead of being a loser, he worked really hard and got a scholarship into a prestigious high school. And from there, he went on to college where he played football and earned his degree. And from there, he went on to the New York Police Department and had a long and very successful career moving up the ladder. You see, he decided that he was not going to live as he had been defined, but he was going to live The truth of who he really is. You see, that's what Naomi got to learn too. You see, God provided something for her. Provided a guy named Boaz who married Ruth and together they had a son, a grandson for Naomi. And this is what the women, the very women Naomi had pleaded to call her bitterness. This is what they said in Ruth chapter four. The women said to Naomi, praise be to the Lord who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. Naomi identified as bitterness, but God had a different name for her. He called her redeemed. You see, her story reminds us even when we get it wrong, even when we make a mistake, even when things aren't quite right with our thinking that God loves us so much that he can help us through that, that he can help us turn and shift into the correct way to think and shift into the place where he wants us to be. So I was thinking that maybe tonight is the night where you get to let go of that old identity. That whatever held you back this past year and the years before doesn't have to hold you back in 2023. The names by which you formed an identity don't have to any longer be the identity you choose to have. That instead of putting your faith in what other people have said, you put your faith and trust in what God's word says about you. And that you believe that the things that God has spoken will come true because the God who spoke them is faithful. And when he's faithful in everything, we know he's faithful in every word he's spoken to us and every word that we read in the Bible. Maybe tomorrow could be the first day of a brand new identity. That maybe you've been called a failure or a loser or unloved or unworthy. But God calls you redeemed. And God calls you loved. And God calls you his child. And that you have value. Maybe tomorrow you wake up and you believe that what God's word says is more real than anything anyone else has ever said to you in your life or any circumstances you see around you. Because God is the reality. Are you going to be defined by what the world says? Or are you you going to be defined by the God who spoke the world into existence? Who are you going to listen to? Because the words you speak over your life have the ability to create an identity that can leave you stuck. But I know, because I've seen it in my own life that God doesn't want you stuck. He wants you moving forward. He wants you succeeding. He wants you winning. He wouldn't have called us more than conquerors if he didn't intend for us to be more than conquerors. He said it because it's reality, but it's a reality we've got to choose to embrace. What if, what if today was one thing, but tomorrow is something totally different? What if in spite of what you see, you wake up tomorrow and you believe what God says? What could your new year look like? Let's pray. Here's the thing. There's only one way to embrace this new identity, and it comes from being in Jesus. Connected to Jesus. So any life that you live apart from Jesus robs you of the opportunity to have this brand new identity that allows you to break free from the past and from what others have said about you. So this is the moment, the opportunity for you to be able to say, I want that new identity and I want to be connected to Jesus. And it's as simply as saying yes to following him. Maybe tonight you're here and you've never said yes to Jesus, or maybe You're here and you know it's time to come back, to find that truth in your life. It's really simple. We're just going to pray a prayer. We're not going to make you stand up, come to the front, single you out in any way other than just asking while everyone's eyes are closed, just to raise your hand and let us know that you want to say yes to Jesus tonight. Thank you. Thank you. I see that. Thanks. Well, we're going to pray a prayer together. It's, it's really simple. And in fact, I'm going to ask everyone to pray with us. And just repeat after me. And it's just a simple prayer, inviting Jesus to be the leader of your life and to follow him. So let's pray. Dear God, Dear God. I, know I know mankind needs a savior. And I know I can't save myself. I Jesus, I Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my my Savior, as as the one who forgives me me and restores me. me. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus. My past is forgiven. forgiven. And I have a relationship with you. you. I'm I'm a new creation in Christ because I said yes to you. I don't want to pray for everyone here. Lord, I just pray that every person here would find the truth of your word and apply it to their life. That they would own the identity that you've called them to be. That they would live by the words that you've spoken and leave behind the words that others have tried to define them with. And by doing so, they would move forward and find hope that can only come from you. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message has blessed you. Don't forget to check us out on all the social platforms. We're uploading encouraging content on a regular basis. For more information, go to thearchchurch.com. Have a great week.